Welcome to the latest edition of the Ask Qubit About Analytics podcast, brought to you by Qubit, the trusted experts in analytics. Our goal is to cut through the jargon and hype around analytics and data science and share practical advice to guide you on your analytics journey. You can find us at qubit.com, that's Q-U-E-B-I-T.com. Thank you for joining me today. I'm A.G. Tan. topic, hospitality and property management, is a fun one because pretty much everyone has had the experience of staying in a hotel. When I was a little kid, it was a huge treat to stay at what I thought was a fancy hotel. I loved the lobby, I loved the restaurant, I loved the rooms, and I loved how important all the people there made me feel. It was magical. But when I look back now, it's fascinating in a different way. I think about all the effort that goes into providing guests with that kind of experience and still make a profit as a business. We're joined today by Walter Hugo Agnes, who is a master consultant here at Qubit and an expert in many things, but in particular, also in delivering planning, reporting, and analytic systems for hospitality and property management companies. And Walter Hugo is also an amazing coffee roaster. Welcome, Walter. Thank you so much. Uh, yes, uh, we are a uh, coffee elitist, so to speak. <laughs> Thank you. Maybe we should talk about coffee today instead. <laughs> it's very interesting, and um, you can find yourself in a in a rabbit hole there. But yes. <laughs> so, getting back to our main topic. Um, let's start by defining what exactly we're talking about, um, who the stakeholders are who would need analytics. So I remember being surprised to learn that when you stay at, for example, a Marriott or a Hilton hotel, the hotel you stay at is probably owned by a company that is not Marriott or Hilton. And then all the people who work there are probably, probably employed by another company who is not Marriott or Hilton. So can you please start off by educating us a little bit on how the business structures behind hotels work? Yes. Um, so the the hospitality industry is, is similar to a lot of industries in that respect. Uh, when, when somebody builds a hotel, there's usually a, a developer that's pushing for the project and there's an investment group um, that is in involved in financing the activity. Um, a lot of times also, uh, obviously, the when you talk about big, big name brands like Marriott or Hilton, they can either be financing it themselves or, or they find groups of investors that want to uh, finance the construction of a hotel. Uh, at the same time, <clears throat> these uh, investor groups that can be, you know, you or I or somebody that uh, has, uh, wants to invest in this industry, they can also purchase hotels and, um, and just pay for them. And they, on the, they would hire uh, management companies to uh, be the day-to-day -day operators of the facility. Um, these management companies, they do everything from hiring people, managing their books, um, do the scheduling, do the marketing, uh, and everything. So, as an investor, uh, you only 
review reports that they generate for you and uh, and keep track of your investment so you're not necessarily involved uh, in the day-to-day -day operation so so you have three people you have or three groups of people you have the investors you have the management company that runs day-to-day -day, and then you may have the the brand that um, that uh, is pushing for the uh, for the project or for the hotel, and they get a piece of the of the action in that um, in that scenario. Great, that's a great overview, and that's really interesting. So um, let's see if I've got this right. So, for example, if I'm an investor when a project is just starting, um, from a planning point of view, at that point, I might be interesting in doing some capital planning. Um, and then later on, when the project is happening, I'm interested in probably financial reporting on, on profitability and expenses and stuff like that, right? And then if I'm, if I'm the property manager, um, that's where you get down into more of the operational stuff. So I'm interested in planning out how many housekeepers I need and staffing and uh, I guess, you know, even discounting rooms when I don't have uh, occupancy. So occupancy rates would be a, a thing um, and stuff like that. And then the brand is probably similar to the investors is interested in, in profitability type stuff. Is that a fair overview? Yes, yes, that's a fair overview. And within those groups, obviously each one of them have different um, planning requirements they have different reporting requirements um, and uh, those are many times uh, not at all similar uh, they uh, you know they have different uh, metrics that they look at day to day um, and, and so it gets uh, very interesting when when you look at things uh, from from the perspective of the of the different groups Right, and then I'm sure they also use different systems to run their businesses. Absolutely. So if you're doing planning, you have to extract data and information from potentially a whole bunch of different things and then bring them together. Yes, that's very correct, yes. So now that we have a picture of all the different kinds of stakeholders that could be involved, maybe you can help make it more real for us by drilling down on, on some examples of specific kinds of planning, reporting, or analysis that some of these stakeholders might be doing? Sure. Um, why don't we start with the, um, with the management company? Um, the, the, the company that is hiring people, scheduling um, staff, uh, running everyday operations on it. Uh, it's, it's very important. Uh, there's a real need to understand the uh, upcoming demand um, for two reasons. One is <clears throat> obviously when there's a, let's say it's in a, in a city and there's a big event happening in the city. Uh, you you want to be, first of all, you want to be aware of what's coming up in your area. Uh, but also, and that, that drives your prices and um, that drives how many um, staff members you're going to hire for different departments. And in the case of um, hotels that, for example, are resorts, 
um, they have many, many uh, different needs in terms of uh, their food gases. Um, if you think about resorts that have uh, many restaurants inside, that have a convention center, that have, um, so it's not only hotels, uh, I'm sorry, the beds, it's uh, all the activities around. So if you think of, for example, on, on a ski resort, right? A ski resort, uh, they have, they, they need to plan how many staff members to put on lifts. They need to have how many, uh, plan how many staff members are in the different restaurants, uh, in the different shops. Um, and also, obviously, uh, think about their, their pricing. Um, their pricing is is driven by how many reservations, and this goes back to your question about the different systems that they use. A lot of uh, there are a lot of commercially available on the books uh, systems, which is what takes the reservations. But they also need to plan for for reservations that uh, are just gonna be, be people, you know walking in or last minute so so things like that are important to know um, ahead of time and often done on a day-to-day -day basis um, the on the books reservations are on a day-to-day -day. a lot of um, general managers have at hotels they plan they plan for you know walkings or events that are you know 60 percent percent chance of happening or 70% chance of happening next week. So things like that, they need to be aware. And, and that information needs to be reported to a general manager or to a, you know, the head of the staff so that they can plan uh, and also to their marketing people so that they can adjust prices depending on that demand. So that's um, really interesting. So basically what i hear you saying is that it can't be one size fits all because the planning demands at a ski resort are going to be very different from the planning demands in a downtown hotel which is going to be very different from planning um, in a essentially a business hotel in the suburb somewhere right they're all different kinds of models they, probably, they all care, I'm sure, about on the books, but they'll have different uh, levels of ability to, to plan walk-ins versus on the books right. reservations. Right. So if you, for example, have a, um, uh, a convention center on your uh, resort, or if you have a, a good size meeting room, let's call it, um, like, you know, there's, a, there's a high likelihood that you have sales stuff that is looking to fill those spaces with events, right? Um, so if you uh, if you have that sale, that salesperson needs to know uh, or needs to provide information to the general manager about um, events that may be coming down the pipeline that are not on the on the reservation system, or, or maybe what the likelihood is. You know, this person is calling people all the time. Um, and trying to get those those uh, spaces booked, so so that information needs to flow into the general manager and into higher levels about what is the expected um, 
level of activity that they're going to have for a for a given week, week or even for a given uh, end uh, end of the month. So by having reporting that tells you what's there, that gives the general manager the information they need to make you know good decisions. But then you know when you're out there and have helped some of these companies um, develop planning systems, you know that's more than reporting, right? That that's looking into the future, oh, yeah. maybe gathering information. Like, I guess if you're, you know, if, if you know that a convention is coming in three months time, you can, you can plan for it, knowing what's going on in your city. If there's a film festival coming, maybe you can plan for it. Right. Do, do they do this from experience or are people starting to use predictive analytics for some of this? How, how um, exactly do they get it done? Or do they just, you know, look at last year and kind yeah. of adjust? They, uh, they, that's exactly what they do. Uh, they can probably benefit from a predictive analytics um, uh, solution. Uh, essentially what they do is they look at the same time last year and they, um, it's a combination, right? So it's a combination of what's on the books already reserved and let's call it the, uh, the the transient or the unconstrained transient rooms or, or events that they're going to book, which is the, the, the walk-ins. Um, they look at last year and see what level of activity they had last year, and they want to uh, add that to what, what's on reservation. And, and they, go ahead, they go ahead and adjust that number based on experience. Um, so if we if you're talking about books for example i'm sorry about rules for example um if you have a hotel that has 300 300 rooms and uh, you have you know 150 rooms that are on the books but last year your transient rooms were 50 more and you say well this week there's an activity in the city that that may increase that to to be you know 250 then you go ahead and, and, and make your adjustments based on last year and uh, you need a tool that gives you that flexibility right and and once you know how many rooms or you have a, a forecast your best guess as to how many rooms you're going to be selling then that can drive other decisions, right? Like how much staff, yeah. staffing you need. And, and when you build a planning right. model, that can pretty much flow automatically, can it not based on whatever assumptions you might put into the system? Yeah, there are, there are two uh, areas, for example, if we're talking about staffing, um, they know their metrics. So they know that a person, you know, cleans room at, at a certain rate. Uh, so you can build that into the model, uh, but mostly, that's a starting point for for a person that's forecasting uh, week to week. Um, usually, um, <clears throat> since they know their occupancy or the or their uh, potential occupancy, uh, given their planning tool, the the staffing is done on a on a I think on a two or three week basis. So, but they can adjust that, right? And so, if they if they think, oh, you know, my salesperson for an event just landed this big birthday party, um, 
then they can adjust that and, and get more, schedule more people uh, if they need it. Right, right. So, yeah. so the, from an operational standpoint, uh, I'm sorry, from a management company standpoint, the reporting, the planning is very, very operational. Uh, like I said, it's on, it's on a daily basis. Yeah. Um, they usually do it, plan on a, on a, on a daily basis and, and they look ahead at two, three, four weeks. Um, and that's, it's short, it's very short term uh, operational, the type of requirement that they have. Right. So when you look at some of the other stakeholders, um, that's different. Right. right. So if we look at uh, the stakeholder, the, the ownership group, um, they don't need to see things on a day-to-day -day basis, right? They need to look at uh, normal financial metrics. Uh, they look. They need to look at a PNL for their hotel uh, or or group of hotels, because uh, a lot of the investor groups they they have groups of hotels, uh, and they need to look at uh, PNLs and cash flow is mostly what they look at. Um, so normal uh, financial metrics, and and they want to look at those metrics compared to their performance. Uh, when they made the investment, um, somebody made a pro forma about the return on that investment. Right. And so they want to look at that PNL compared to that pro forma, um, and 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 mostly also um, cash flow, how how the how their project is cash flowing. Um, right. It's something that they they look at very. Uh, in detail by hotel or by group of, group of hotels that they own. So I, I'm, I'm picturing um, the investment group starting with a business plan where they lay out a PL or a profit and loss yeah. statement, right? And cash flow projections. Um, yes. And then they have that as their starting point and they're monitoring the actual performance against that on a monthly or quarterly basis, probably, I'm guessing. Right. And it's not a lot different than than how a um, um, a group of investment investors will will buy stocks at any company in Wall Street. Um, they look at the whatever publications you know uh, they have or public information is out there. Um, they look at all that information, and and a lot of times uh, they make decisions on whether they want to sell their hotels or or keep them. Uh, there, <laughs> there's an impressive number of of uh, deals done every year on on hotel acquisitions. Um, uh, so, so the obviously the record the reporting re requirements for that investor group is 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 very different. High level cash flow. Yeah. Yeah. And then the brand. Now I assume that the brand has the relationship with the investor group. Is is that correct? Yes, they do, and, and it varies. Um, a lot of times, the the management company is is has the relationship with the investment group. And, and the investment group just purchases a franchise, right? So in terms of 
so in terms of, of uh, as a franchisee, um, I'm sorry, as the people's person, the group selling the franchise, uh, you also want to get um, information about P&L information. They, they do get, because the franchise has certain parameters uh, to operate, um, they want to make sure that the management company is keeping within those parameters. So, <clears throat> so the franchise looks at P&L and cash flow information, but not so much for those metrics. They look at other metrics about how to understand how is the business being managed day to day. Right. I, and I imagine that the brand would care a lot about the customer experience because right. the brand yes. is the brand, right? And that is the thing that is valuable. Yeah, management companies um, get, they get, um, how do you call it? Uh, graded? They get graded, sorry. Yes, thank you. They get graded on metrics um, like customer experience um, and financial performance, obviously. Uh, they also get graded on uh, more high level. Um, uh, things like, for example, how accurate are their forecasts? Um, if there's a big difference between your forecast and your actuals, it actually impacts uh, your compensation as a management company. So all those metrics are are set by the by the ownership group as well as the franchise or the franchise group. How interesting. So thank you, Walter Hugo. That was a great overview. And now we get to the last part where I am looking for advice or tips and tricks to anybody who's listening who might be in this industry or in another industry where some of these challenges look familiar. So maybe to keep it simple, just focusing on the property managers because they seem to me to have some of the biggest requirements. They, they have that daily reporting. Um, and daily weekly planning for operational purposes and then they also have to provide reports to the brand and to the investors so let's just think about them and I know we've worked with several property management companies in recent years and maybe you can tell us a little bit about how they typically do this kind of planning today and how they might you know have opportunities to to, to do it better, to get more qualitative and quantitative improvement. Right. Yes, I mean, obviously, like most companies, um, uh, a lot of these, um, let, let's talk about the property managers. Um, they, they're doing this type of uh, planning using Excel. Um, they're running into the, the same challenges that most people doing their planning in Excel to run into. The, there's a lack of... Uh, <laughs> employee acceptance uh, on the planning process because it's very tedious. Um, being tedious is, uh, there's a lack of transparency. Um, and it's very um, hard to keep the stakeholders informed and up to date. Um, sometimes it's hard to, uh, what they do is, is they do a top-down budget and, and sometimes they don't align with, uh, with the, with the ground level operations. So, and, and more specifically, uh, when you're 
when you're trying to manage uh, a hotel and, and you're trying, hotels have a lot of drivers. So, so if you think about, let's say, uh, back to my uh, resort example, uh, or ski resort, um, a lot of the extra activities that are uh, offered by the hotel are forecasted based on occupied rooms, right? So occupied rooms is a, is a very popular metric to forecast, and it drives a lot of uh, a lot of the other of, of the other areas. So you can you can set a percentage uh, on how many um, ski lifts or visits you're gonna you're gonna sell based on some some percentage of occupied rooms or or you can drive occupied rooms on your uh, restaurants, restaurant visits, right? You you can get some sort of percentage of occupied rooms that are gonna eat at your restaurant or that are gonna visit your shop. Um, and so when you have a lot of drivers, um, another, another important driver is covers uh, that drives your, uh, your restaurant revenue. Um, you you take your number of covers, you multiply it by your average average check, and you can forecast your uh, your uh, restaurant revenue. When you say covers, you mean basically one person sitting in the restaurant and having a meal. Is is that a cover? It, it could be a person sitting in the restaurant, or it could be um, a um, an entire meal so it, it could include the meal and the drinks and um and everything that a person would consume right uh, it's, it's one person's consumption at one sitting yes yes okay. right thank so, you yes and so uh so you can drive your number of covers by the number of occupied rooms and how many people are on it right uh and then um put put a number to that cover to kind of uh, come up with some sort of estimate for revenue. Right. Um, so when you have things like that, uh, and these are, those are only two, the most important ones, but only two of the drivers uh, for for revenue forecasting. Uh, when you have more than that, it gets it gets very complicated quickly. So so that's one of the challenges that that um, are faced with uh, forecasting. Uh, revenue for in the hospitality industry um, and when you have your planning process being driven by Excel um, you can understand how it can become very tedious um, quickly uh, and and versioning and and where it gets really complicated is when when uh, an executive wants to see several versions of their forecast Right. right. Um, and so you can forecast, well, what if, you know, this big event, we land this big event, how is this going to change? And so doing that in Excel is, is one of the challenges that uh, when we walk into projects like this uh, are, are clear that, you know, the people doing the everyday operation and trying to put a forecast together, that's one of the challenges that, that uh, we help them and we try to minimize that uh, pain. Yeah, sometimes um, people think that if they just hire some more financial analysts to work on it, it'll right. get better. But 
it doesn't necessarily help because then you have more people having to communicate with each other and exchange information, mm -hmm. which is costly and increased chances of error, right? So there's really only one way past this, I think, is to invest in, in a planning software platform that can help support collaboration and um, modeling. Yes, and it's very important because uh, right now a lot of these folks are um, embedded in their so much in their Excel spreadsheets. Um, a lot of times they don't have the time to analyze and um, having a robust tool that can do a lot of these things automatically, right? Um, right off the bat, uh, it allows them to to be more proactive maybe on, on, um, on analyzing their data and uh, less reactive to, um, to requests from maybe higher ups that want to see different scenarios or different drivers being set. Um, so I think it helps uh, add value to the business uh, making an investment uh, in a in a good planning tool. Yeah, no, I, I obviously couldn't agree more. Sometimes people don't realize what's possible and they keep soldiering on thinking that, you know, it can't get much better. But what's yes. really missing is that um, qualitative aspect, which you just talked about, the time to do the analysis and to really think about the business as opposed to worrying whether you got the numbers right when you cut and paste them into this other spreadsheet. And also, right. once you have your data in a good, robust, planning software platform and the data is centralized and you and governed so you can trust the numbers that then puts you in a position to start looking at the possibility of leveraging something like predictive analytics to exactly. further automate your forecast. Right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I can see predictive analytics uh, absolutely making a difference in, um, in seeding your forecast. Um, based on past uh, experience or past data and um, and other variables right um, that may apply and I can see a tool like that really adding value uh, to to the quality of the forecast that gets generated yeah no no absolutely well, I think we'll stop there, but I really appreciate you sharing this with us, Walter Hugo. It was a great conversation. Thank you. My pleasure. It was a blast. Well, that's it for today. Thank you for listening. We would love to hear from you. Do you have anything you would like to ask Qubit about analytics? You can tweet us at AskQubit or email us at info at qubit.com. That's info at Q-U-E bit.com. Until next time.